You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Caitlin Verfurth was involved in a car accident when she was just seven years old, sustaining an L2 incomplete spinal cord injury. She found adaptive sports through a summer camp and would go on to play wheelchair tennis professionally, as well as represent Team USA at the 2004, 2008, and 2016 Paralympic Games in that sport. Caitlin would become a dual sport athlete and competed in pair canoe at the 2020 Paralympics. She now shares her passion for sport through her work with Ability360 a Move United member organization in Arizona. Let's chat with her. So, Caitlin, I know that you were, um, you know, relatively young when you had a car accident. Um, were you involved in sports around before that time? Yeah. So, uh, before my car accident, um, my family, we were super, we, we were very sporty. My mom was an avid marathon runner. Um, I mean, as a kid, I always signed up with her to, you know, do the fun run portion of it because I was pretty young still. But um, very outdoors. We did a lot of hiking as a family, um, a lot of stuff outside and biking. And, um, I played a little bit of tennis. Actually, my grandma was a tennis pro mm. in back in Wisconsin and she had taught me how to play tennis. I think probably when I was like three or four was the first time I had a racket in my hand. <laughs> um, and so she, she was kind of mainly the one that introduced me to the sport. And, um, that was my first kind of exposure to it, but yeah, we were a super active family and still are today. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> and so then where did adaptive sports come into play? Was it, did, were you introduced to it as part of rehab or did it come a little bit later? Yeah. So I was introduced to really, I mean, I think everybody after you have a spinal cord injury, you know, your PTs, your OTs, your rec therapists, they're all trying to kind of get you um, to be able to leave the hospital and be as independent as you possibly can. And um, there's so much to learn, you know, in those first five years of any injury like that. And um, I was really thankful. I had an awesome PT who got my my family and I connected with the University of Whitewater in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And I went to my very first uh, wheelchair sports camp. I think um, that next summer after my car accident and I met a bunch of other kids my age, you know, either born with spina bifida, spinal cord injuries, um, CP, I mean, all kinds of different disabilities. So that was really my first exposure to being around other folks with disabilities and really learning about adaptive sports and what they are. And at that camp, I, I played wheelchair basketball. I got to try wheelchair tennis and uh, road racing and hand cycling and um, a little quad rugby, even a little bit of everything. And um, I, my first love was wheelchair basketball. And I, um, we had a basketball hoop in our, in our garage, like in our up above our garage in the, in the driveway. And every summer or all day in the summer, I would be out there <laughs> just working on my layups and shooting. And I was just obsessed. And it literally gave me, you know, at eight, nine, 10, I didn't know this, but it gave me a, a purpose, a reason to live. Uh, you know, I had found after being in a chair and, um, you know, figuring out how to do stuff and, and still wanting to be active and, and be part of your friends. And we played basketball all summer because it's all I wanted to do. And, uh, 
I started playing for a junior team and um, I played basketball. I still play today on and off. And um, it's still like my first love, my first sport. Uh, but that really kind of set the stage for wheelchair tennis and um, all the other really cool sports and stuff that I've done. And uh, when I got to high school, I learned about wheelchair tennis uh, because my goal in high school was I really just wanted to get a letterman's jacket and have like the jack cool jacket like all my friends had. And, uh-huh. um, you know, wheelchair basketball really isn't um, that much inclu- like inclusivity as far as in a in a public school, so to speak. But wheelchair tennis really caught my eye because um I could play with anybody. You didn't have to have a disability. Um, so I literally started playing with my my mom and my grandma in the chair and then my brother and um, then my friends. And then I learned that I could play on my high school team. And the only real difference was I would get two bounces. And I was like, well, then I want to compete. That sounds awesome. So um, that really kind of set the stage for, for, for me and my wheelchair tennis career. And little did I know when I was playing, you know, high school tennis uh, that I would become a professional athlete travel in the world and a four and a three-time Paralympian in the sport. So, um, that, yeah, that to me, uh, kind of really, really put me in the, the direction that I was going to go for my life. So that, that sports camp at the university of Whitewater was kind of the impetus. And obviously they're, they're known for a great basketball program. So. <laughs> yeah. So like when I was going, I mean, they were their women's team and their, their men's team, obviously number one. Um, and so that's why wheelchair basketball is such a big part of my life. I looked up to all those guys like Jeff Glassburner. I mean, Mike Frogley was my mentor. Um, Christina Schwab, we called her Barney. Um, all, all those, I grew up with all those people and I got to look up to them. So wheelchair basketball is like, man, I think if I'm going to be a Paralympian, I thought for sure that was going to be basketball. And then when tennis came into my life, I was, I kind of like changed gears a little uh-huh. bit. So yeah. yeah. And so how far was University of Whitewater from where you lived? We were about, so yeah, so it was about, say an hour and 45 minute drive. Um, I grew up like in Port Washington, just north of Milwaukee. And, um, you know, once I started, once I went to that very first sports camp, uh, University of Whitewater always offered like a, a, a lot of other programs, but we got lucky enough and just the timing of everything. They started this new program called Outreach. And I think this is what really made me who I am today. Um, but and this is something I would love to recreate here in Arizona at Ability360 if I could, if I had a dream. Um, but once a month, once a month, one weekend a month, our parents would drop us off at the University of Whitewater for a weekend. We would stay in the dorms. And that whole weekend, we got to do like hang out with these counselors who were, um, you know, probably PT students or nursing students or whatever. I can't remember, but they were like our counselors for the weekend and basically took care of us. But we got to live on campus um, in the dorms, like kind of like the students did. And for a weekend, we got I got to spend like a whole weekend with other kids with disabilities like myself and play sports. We played a ton of basketball and a lot of we did a lot, mostly basketball. And um, I learned so much. I learned that's where all my independence came from. Um, that's where I learned like I got rid of all those parts on my wheelchair. Like, you know, when you first come out of the hospital, you got the handlebars and the mm-hmm. and the and the um the wheelie bars and all kinds of stuff. And 
Um, I mean, they started pulling those things off my chair. My mom would come pick me up after a weekend and something else would be gone. And uh, I mean, I did that, that outreach probably for about eight years. And there was a little cohort of us that grew up together. And we're still a lot of us are still friends today. and We stay connected. Um, but like, without that, man, I, I honestly don't think I'd be who I am today. That really shaped me and made me. And a lot of those other kids that we grew up, you know, either work in adaptive sports now, like Barney or I mean, sorry, Christina, you mm-hmm. know, she's, she's the head coach at the University of Whitewater and Opie uh, still at Whitewater. So all of people, I mean, we're all still in the game. And um, it's just it's just super cool. Just super cool how that all happened. So I don't think they have that program anymore. Um, but that, I mean, that's definitely something that I think was huge. And, and just being away from your parents for a weekend, you know, in middle school was huge. It just, it, it taught you how to be an adult and take responsibilities and be accountable for something and have to work on communication and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, I'm forever grateful for that program. And probably further in the, in the develop independence, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that and I mean, just, you know, talking about like little tips and tricks, like how to hop a curb. And, you know, when you leave the hospital, they give you, you, you know, they tell you you should have this backpack full of all these things that you're going to need out and about. And I learned at camp that I didn't need any of that stuff. But, you know, there's other things that can can do it. So, um, yeah, that camp was and I, I don't know why I'm, I'm I don't know, liability and stuff, I'm sure. But if we could recreate something like that. Um, it changes people's lives. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously I can, I can tell and, and, and hear how transformational it was for you. So if, if, if programs like that would exist more across the country, then yeah, we could really make an impact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and, and too, you know, I think, um, the world was obviously very different than it was, uh, in 1990s when I got hurt in 93 and this all happened in 96 and 97, 98, 99. And, you know, 2022, 23, we're in a totally different place. And, um, but it also, I thought was really cool because when the parents dropped us off there, they also like saw the other parents and then they also kind of became friends. And like, I know sometimes my mom would like meet and grab dinner with them before they all headed home or whatever. And I I mean, that was also cool, like a mentoring kind of, or, you know, kind of a good thing for the parents because, we're all, they're all dealing with the same thing with, you know, having kids like us. And um, so it was just really special. It was really, really, really cool. Yeah. And so when you, when you got into high school, um, was it an easy part to be on the high school uh, tennis team or, uh, you know, was it new to them? And I, I know that, that, that extra bounce rule is, you know, that's basically the, the difference between wheelchair and stand up tennis, but you know, did your, program know that did your school know did the conference know or did you have to almost educate and and uh, what, what was the kind of that that uh process like so we really had to educate um it's not called the a well here it's aia i can't remember what wisconsin it, and you know the the high school sports mm-hmm. uh committee or whatever um but we really did have to educate them and i know university of whitewater actually got involved a little bit just to um just to say you know hey this just, you know, to be a support, this two bounce role is recognized by the USTA, by the ITF. Um, Caitlin is allowed to compete against, against able-bodied players. They don't have, you know, the only rule difference is she is allowed two bounces. And um, we did have to educate them quite a bit in the beginning. 
Um, I do remember my coach, our coach at Port Washington High School, he was on board. He he was stoked. Um, I do remember like my first two years, I made varsity. I think I played doubles my first year and then I started playing singles and we weren't like the greatest team or anything. I mean, we did okay. But um, I just remember like playing my first match and I was really nervous. It was, it actually wasn't like a, oh, it was kind of like a little tournament and a bunch of schools were at it. And I played, I was playing a couple different lady, a couple different people that day or throughout the tournament. And I just remember like, it was really hard because my coach and I, he kind of stuck on my side that day, even though everybody was playing on the team. And we just had to explain to every single coach and every girl that I was playing, like, all right, you're going to play Caitlin. This is who you're playing. She gets two bounces. And I just remember some of the coaches and then my coach would like pull out this piece of paper that made, you know, this is legit. Here are the rules. And, um, you know, it was just, it was kind of, I just remember feeling like a little bit like, am I special? Like I, I, I knew I was different obviously, but I just felt like, man, like I have to, we have to repeat this every single time. And, um, I know I remember to that tournament, like one of the coaches was like, well, I'm going to bring it to the director. This isn't, you know, um, and you know, so I had always had a lot of eyes on me and obviously bring more attention to myself than I wanted, um, in the beginning. And then I'll never forget that first, I played that when I played in that tournament, the first girl I played, I beat her. Um, and she wouldn't come up to the net and shake my hand. Um, she just went back to the fence and cried to her coach. And she's like, I just lost to a girl in a wheelchair. Um, and so like me, I, I mean, I didn't know what to say. I, I was just stoked. I won and I was in my own world. I'm like 14, you know, whatever. Right. And my coach comes on court and he's like, giving me a hug. I think him and I were both surprised that I beat somebody. And, um, you know, the first two years, I was a lot of, uh, kind of on, on me. I had to put myself out there and be uncomfortable and, and just a lot of spreading awareness, a lot of like explaining the sport, a lot of, hey, this is legit and this is real and explaining like um, why the two bounce rule isn't so important. I can't move laterally. Um, and so that's how it, it kind of levels the mm -hmm. playing field. But I think once we got through those first two years and kind of got over the hump and then the word came out like, hey, there's this girl from Port Washington High School. She plays in a wheelchair and she's pretty good. Um, I think, you know, it, it became more of a not as such a big deal and I remember going to state and um freaking just so nervous nerve-wracking and um I remember losing our doubles match the first round but I was just stoked that we got there and um yeah I mean just I think you know at that age too you're so impressionable and uh by what other people think I'm just really thankful that my coach and my teammates were also super supportive of me mm -hmm. and um, if anybody said anything about me or, or said something that didn't agree with them, they would definitely speak up and have my back, which was super cool. And um, I'm just grateful for that warm, welcoming and, and loving team environment. Yeah. And you just wanted to play, right? You just wanted to. I just want, yeah. And I just <laughs> want to play. And I'm really actually making history as, you know, kind of the first wheelchair athlete in the state of Wisconsin to play wheelchair tennis. And um now I've kind of set the precedent, which is cool because there's other kids doing it, I know. And um, there's a kid here that I got into his high school and, and a couple of girls I'm working with, they're playing, they're going to play high school tennis this season. And it's just, it's really cool to have that happen all and come together full circle and, and see it on the other side and, and to know that I was very small part of, of making that happen. And, and when, when was it for you where, when you decided or realized that you could play 
you know, beyond high school, you know, either at the Paralympic level or at the professional level? So in, um, I think I went freshman year and then that summer I felt like somebody somehow somebody reached out to my mom or our family and was like, Hey, there's a coach in Milwaukee that started working with some wheelchair athletes. Um, and then I got connected with my first coach, Jackie, her name's Jackie Egelhoff. And, um, she really told me about the tour and I started working with her, you know, I had a lesson, two lessons a week and my game like really started to step up. And, um, she was telling me about, about the wheelchair tennis tour and about tournaments and living in Wisconsin. There was, um, at the time back, it was probably 1998 or nine and they were having the wheelchair U S open. This was even way before wheelchair tennis was part of the grand slams. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be, I think it was in St. Louis. No, 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 no. Sorry. It was just a regular tournament in St. Louis. And that was the closest kind of one to us that was happening. And, um, I was, and she's like, I think you're ready. You know, I played juniors and I was going to go into women's A's. That was my first women's tournament. Um, <laughs> and so we went down there and I was like, Whoa, this is, this is different compared to high school. I mean, everybody's in a wheelchair. Everybody had a disability. Everybody was playing with two bounces. Um, but it was professional and it was legit and there were umpires and there was a tournament director and I was just, and then, um, as a kid, I, I had this poster, huge poster in my room of, um, Randy Snow. I had looked up, he was, he was also one of my big mentors and I always looked up to him. And, um, I think when I was like 10 or nine, I knew I wanted to be a Paralympian and I just put that poster up mm. and he was like, he was like my, like my motivation every day. Like Randy can do it. I can do it. <laughs> um, and so I met Randy there and, and I was just, I was totally starstruck. I bet. I was, I was 14 and, and I was like, I think I was freaking out. Like I was so scared to even go up to him. And I think my mom and my stepdad at the time um we're like hey that's the guy in your room and I was like oh my god that's Randy Snow and he wanted to talk to me and I I was just so nervous and he was so welcoming and man you know one thing kind of led to the other and I got invited to he was doing a bunch of wheelchair tennis camps around the country and I went to like two of them that summer and he just basically kind of took me under his wing and kind of showed me the ropes and that's when I felt like I really, that first tournament is when I felt like, and then I met like Hope Llewellyn, I'm probably saying the wrong name, Karen Korb, um, Sharon. Oh my God. I'm, I, she got married and I'm drawing a blank on her last name, uh, on her new last name. But these ladies, they were our top women on the U S team for tennis. And, uh, I looked up to them and they, like I said, they took me under their wing and I started getting invited to like the junior camps and, Kind of that's when that I met Dan James, who was the USTA national head coach at the time. And all of them basically took me under their wing and I just started getting involved and got to these camps and basically just kind of everything took off from there. <laughs> wow. And, and yeah. how long, how long uh, did you play on the professional circuit? I played on and off for about 20 years professionally. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, it was pretty awesome from about, I'd say from 2003 until 2016 or yeah 2016 Rio was kind of going to be the like the kind of last time I, I decided that I was going to hang it up um but yeah I played for quite a long time I played um 16 17 world team cups representing team USA three of those were on the junior team the rest on the women's team three Paralympic games um traveled all over the world I've got to play in all of the grand slams except for Wimbledon 
Um, so, I mean, yeah, and I've had some ups and downs and some highs and some, some mega lows, but, um, all in all, what a, it's, it's amazing. And where wheelchair tennis was in early 2000 to like 2015 to where it is today, holy smokes, have we made leaps and bounds and being part of the, the grand slams was really what set it off. And, and I know I'm still very close in contact with Jason Harnett, who runs USTA national yep. and Jason Allen. And now, you know, we're part of the high performance wheelchair tennis is part of, you know, the high performance section on the, at the USTA. So like, it is just, it's just amazing where it's at today. And I feel honored and grateful and just stoked that I got to be such a small part of that. Just, you know, one of those small pioneers that help help those players get to where they are today. Pretty awesome. Yeah, indeed. And an amazing, amazing career for you as well. And, and I know that since you mentioned that you, you know, 2016 and, and Rio was, was your intended to kind of uh, farewell, if you will, with three, after your third Paralympics, but then you got into paracanoe. And went to a fourth Paralympics. How did that? How did that come about? Ah, uh, so yeah, right, crazy. So I was, um, I was uh, actually, it was at the closing ceremonies uh, at at Rio, and we were all waiting in line and ready to go out or whatever. And I happened to be sitting next to Deb Page, who is the who was the manager and coach of of, of USA Paracanoe at the time or that year, and she still is. And um, we were just talking and, um, you know, growing up in Wisconsin, I grew up in a canoe and a kayak, like we were always on the river or the lake or whatever. And I knew that pair canoe had debuted there, uh, at the Rio games in 2016. And, um, I always looked up to Elena Nichols and I knew that she had done the sport. And, uh, I think I went, I did go out and check it out one day and I was like, this is really cool. Uh, Cause I had a day off or whatever. And so I happened to be sitting next to Deb and I was telling her about what I thought about it and checking it out. That was the day I think Elena tipped her boat uh, in the water and the water in Rio is pretty bad, uh, really disgusting. So you did not want to tip your boat. And um, she's like, yeah, would you ever want to try? And, you know, she's like, you know, you're, you're fit, you're in shape. You look like you'd be, good. And I'm like, sure. So she invited me to come out to her house. Uh, I think a couple of months later, I think it was, in a, that winter or something like that, I went out, I got in a boat and it was a new challenge and it was, t- it's probably, probably one of the hardest sports I've ever done. And I really didn't think I was going to do a Paralympic. I mean, I, that was 2000, end of 2016 and 17. And I was like, I still have a lot. I mean, there's still so much room for, I have a lot of improvement even to be able to think about making a team. Um, but uh, with it being such a new sport, not a lot of there were just not a lot of ton of paddlers. So I'm gonna chalk it up to the, the fact that it being new and mm-hmm. I got a spot. But also too, I did I really did work my butt off to make those times and and to make the team. And um, I got smoked though in the Paralympics in Tokyo. I mean, you, these women in my competition or in my class they've been doing this sport forever. Some of them before they even got injured and the technicalities of the sport, like you got to have like over 17,000 hours in the boat just to, just to, I mean, mean, it's insane amount of time that you need to to have, but I didn't have that, but um, I was just stoked to be there to represent and to be able to call myself a dual sport Paralympian, which is super cool. Um, But what a change, like tennis, it's completely different mindset. I mean, you are playing a game of chess. You're like setting up different points and really strategic with racing. It's only 200 meters 
you don't have any time if you mess up like you don't it's you got to get there in under a minute and I mean if you mess up it's over like you don't have time to go back at least in tennis like you can be down in a game you know love 40 and still figure out a way to make it back and win a game right but in the racing world it's it's completely different so um yeah I uh I don't know I kind of just threw myself in there because I I'm always up for trying new things and um yeah, and I really wanted to see if I could do that. I love pushing my body and see what I'm capable of doing, and I made it, so I was stoked. <laughs> yeah, being a dual dual sport athlete is pretty cool, and like you said, two different sports. One, you're playing against somebody else, and really with pair canoe, it's it's about you and it's about power and strength and endurance and and <laughs> and, and yeah. th- making sure you you hit every stroke properly and right and all that good stuff. And Absolutely. and so you're you're at Ability Three Hundred and Sixty now, which is of course a Move United member organization. Um, Tell, tell us what you're doing there and, and what your role is at Ability360. So I moved down to Ability360, or I moved down to Phoenix. I lived in Flagstaff, Arizona for about 11 years. And we moved down about two years ago. Um, after Rio in 2016, I decided that I wanted to start teaching tennis. I really, I didn't know I wanted to do wheelchair tennis. I was just, I wanted to be able to give back to the game. That was just kind of where my heart was coming from. That was what my mind was telling me. So I came back, I got certed up, I did all my trainings and stuff. And I started working at a private country club up in Flag and with a local and with the local city up there, their programs and just teaching able-bodied tennis. And um, I really enjoyed it, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. Um, I felt in my mind, I was like, you know what, like, I'm really good at this. And I was getting some really good success. And and I was just like, man, it'd be really cool if I could teach wheelchair tennis and, and be able to create some really cool players and and help grow that sport. So I reached out to Gus, who's our Gus Lazar up here and um, who's my boss. And um, I was like, Hey, you know, Gus, I decided that I'm going, I also started going back to school. I got my undergrad at the university of Arizona in, in psychology and, um, I went back to school. I decided that I kind of, I thought I wanted to be, or I'm a rec therapist. So I went back to school for rec therapy and I got my master's in that and I needed some hours. So I just, I just reached out to Gus and I said, I need to work with this population down here. Can, can you, is there anything I can do? He like, he, I was, this was actually during COVID and I was, um, I emailed him and he calls me like 10 minutes later and I, my heart was just like, Oh my God, he's calling me like, Whoa, this is good. So he calls me. Um, and, and it's during cold and it was the summer of the, like right at the beginning of COVID and everybody's confused, not really sure what's going on, where life has taken us. And he's like, you know, we haven't opened back up yet, but, um, we would love to have you down here. Um, you know, and I, I just expressed like, he had really liked to start some wheelchair tennis. They had kind of a program going, but it it just really never took off. And, um, I was like, I really want to see what I can do. So we moved down here. So that that call happened in the summer. We moved down here in like June. We moved down here in September, end of September. I took the job. I did only was part time. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I started wheelchair tennis. And um, the cool thing about Ability 360 is, you know, everybody here that we all work together, we're all super supportive of each other. And, you know, I had no idea what I really no idea what I was doing starting a program. I just knew what like the clubs did in flag and our local program at the city. And so I just kind of put those took that widget and I put it here and it made it this widget. And now I have like over 50 players here in the Valley. I offer clinics twice a week, Mondays and Fridays. I got an intermediate or I'm sorry, I got a beginner novice kind of group and an advanced group. Um, I've run a couple, uh, I'm going to run another wheelchair tennis tournament. I ran my first tournament last year. 
Um, I put on an all comers camp this December, this last December, which was freaking awesome. I had USTA national coming in and we had players from all over the United States. Okay. I had about 22 players come for the camp for a weekend. Um, and I freaking love what I get to do here every single day. I really love that. I'd be able to share the sport, create create what I've created and now I have a community of players and like last night they all got to they didn't tell me I was like wait a minute you guys should invite me but they all got together and played um no, just kidding I don't care I'm stoked I'm just I love it um what they're doing things without you yeah I mean it's great and they're they're traveling all over the the United States playing tournaments doing what I do and representing ability and if I get to go great and if I can come and coach awesome um but uh it's really taken off and I had no, I just, you know, I didn't expect that to happen, but it did. And I'm stoked. Um, but then I did take on another position here at Ability um, in this past, in, in uh, February of 2022. And Ability 360 merged with another nonprofit down here in the Valley called Daring Adventures. And Daring Adventures was mainly known for taking folks down the Grand Canyon, doing a big trip, uh, 226 miles, 86 rapids with folks with disabilities. And so um, I've been always been an outdoorsy person. So I applied for the outdoor position, the outdoor coordinator position, and I got it. And now um, now I'm also wearing this other hat where I'm organizing and coordinating outdoor activities for folks and still doing wheelchair tennis. And I coach our women's uh, well, I coach slash more manage our women's wheelchair basketball team. I got that started up again. So um, I just love I think I was meant <laughs> to just help create opportunities for folks um, with all kinds, whatever. I'm not even I mean, whether they have a disability or not, I just I love creating folks and giving people opportunities to get out there, get active, um, try something that they've never tried before, helping them also realize maybe what their potential is. And I mean, that's also just part of being a rep therapist, but I, I think I was just born to do this. And I, I love coming to work every day. I love what I get to do and working here at Billy 360 is just awesome. And, and when is that trip that you talk about that you just mentioned? When is it typically uh, each, each year? So the mainstream trip is always in the summer. Um, the one we did in 2022 happened to be in August. It was 11 days long. And um, we're I'm prepping now for our next trip for 2023. We're going to do a little bit of a smaller trip. It'll only be about three days. And we're going to call it our, a mainstream experience. So we're going to probably do a big trip, a smaller trip every other year. Big trip, small trip, big trip, ugh, big trip small trip, just to kind of even it out. Mm -hmm. um, this smaller trip. Um, we're going to, we're going to take a helicopter in to the Grand Canyon. We're going to stay on a, on a working ranch. Folks are going to be able to do some like skeet shooting and maybe some horseback riding, um, and some things like that. And then, um, we have one night on the river and do some rafting and then kind of, we get helicoptered out. So it'll be a little bit of a different experience, but we're hoping, um, to be able to take some of the folks that signed up for the trip last year, maybe that were a little bit more involved or had, you know, some, just some more needs that we couldn't meet. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really excited for that challenge. And do you accept folks from all over or are they, do, yeah. do, do folks have to be ability 360 participants already? No, anybody and everybody's welcome to uh, put an application in for this trip. Um, from We had some folks in the last one from Montana, from Colorado, from Atlanta. Um, so we had we had folks from all over. We actually didn't. We only had like one or two people from Arizona on our trip. Or I'm sorry, uh, 
Yeah, about, sorry, four or five on our trip that were from Arizona and then like the rest were from out of state. So anybody and everybody's welcome to to sign up for or fill out an application for the trip. They can go to our website. Um, but uh, it's it's pretty awesome. And you really get tested down there um, when you're, you know, in that setting as a wheelchair user. It's all sand. Every camp spot, every place you go, it's just thick sand. So mm-hmm. requiring um, getting around required a lot of assistance. And, um, you know, now that I've done that trip the first time, I'm really excited about this, this trip, this next trip will be easy, but next year in 2024, when we do with a big trip again, I have like some new plans. I've drawn up some new camp, some new, like, uh, how I want to set up camp and make it more accessible. Um, we have some new equipment that we're going to be able to take down there. So I'm really, really excited to bring out another, uh, to see, to see how much more accessible we can make it. So, Kaylin, you mentioned uh, check out your website. What is the Ability360 website for listeners? And and what are some other ways that people can connect with Ability360? So people can connect with Ability360 at Ability360.org. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can just search Ability360. Um, you can find me as well if you're interested in checking my life out and following me around and what I do. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I don't really do Twitter that much. Um, but you can always find me on there at Caitlin Burford. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. 